welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. So I mentioned that we're going through uh, this series where we're in the book of Revelation. And if you have a Bible, open up your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. And you'll also want to go back into your program and pull out this white half sheet. And you'll see that today we're, we're dealing with uh, a church in a small town, smallish town, probably still hundreds of thousands of people in this town in Paul's day and John's day. Um, and they're under persecution. That's why this one is called the persecuted church. They are undergoing some pretty severe persecutions, as you'll hear from today's message. And, and so what we're going to talk about today is the fact that being a Christian sometimes means that you may not be the most popular person in the room. And while I think it's a little bit hard for us here in beautiful Phoenix in our 85, 90 degree winter weather, fall weather, to think of ourselves as persecuted, um, granted, we don't live in San Diego, but yet we have life pretty good nowadays. We, we can, when we go through a bad spot, call paramedics and, and have them here in a, a few minutes. We are a country that is among the wealthiest in the world. We have many, many blessings to count in our lives. And not too severe of a persecution, I think that most of us would say. And yet, I think we also get a sense that in our society, the worldview that we share as followers of Jesus Christ is drifting more and more and more from the mainstream of our American culture. And you can feel that drift almost monthly, if not weekly, from different things that happen in our culture. And you can even maybe feel a little bit of that tug of the culture on your own heart and mind. And so the message today in the Bible's words is be faithful, which I would just simply translate into stay the course. Stick with Jesus that it is more important to persevere with Jesus than it is to be popular with the world. And that's what our message is going to to center around this morning. And, And I want to start by by telling you an amazing thing that happened to me this last week. I have this business card. I was at a pastor's conference in Sacramento. And on the flight home, it's it's interesting always the the people whom God places you next to on an airplane flight, isn't it? You're on a flight and you you don't know who you're going to sit next to and whether they're going to want to strike up a conversation with you or not. I sat next to a gentleman and uh, clearly he was not from our country, um, and after we struck up a little conversation, I discovered that he was from Ethiopia, and his name is Pastor Solomon, and he told me an amazing story of his life, 40 years preaching Christ to Ethiopian Christians for most of his pastorate, preaching it to 
Christian Ethiopians in his home country of Ethiopia. But now he had been called to serve Ethiopian Christians in the city of Sacramento, which is where we were coming from. What I was especially intrigued by as he told his story was the the series of things that he had gone through for the sake of Christ in order to be able to preach Christ. And he talked about how in his early years as a pastor, Ethiopia was under a communist regime. And as with communist regimes everywhere in our world, their intent was to stamp out all religion. He told me of several events in his early pastorate where he was arrested, imprisoned, and even told that he was going to be executed because he was a Christian pastor. And when I, when I began to think, you know, that I, I, I even sometimes am known to, to grouse and complain a little bit about the things that I go through as a pastor, I, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, how, how, could I, how could I ever feel down on being a pastor here when there are pastors around the world, there are Christians around the world that are arrested and threatened? And he went on to, to say, and, and it's still going on today. It's coming from a different source today because the communist regime has fallen, but now the Muslim population is persecuting the Christians in his home country of Ethiopia. And part of the reason that he accepted the pastorate here was was so that he he could follow this sort of dispersed uh, church over to the United States and in the hopes that this group of Christians could continue to love and support the Ethiopian Christians back in their home country. And, and I think you'll agree that in our world and maybe even in our own culture and society, there are people who just hate Christianity. There was a, another pastor who worked in a, in a Starbucks just to see what it was like to be out and about in our American culture. And he made it his, his goal to talk to as many people, as many of the customers, and create relationships and, and friendships as he could. And he, he discovered that the people who came into his particular Starbucks almost fell into two categories. Uh, one he called the pre-Christians, people who had not ever had any experience with Christianity. And he said when he talked to them and when they got around to talking about Christ. They were very open to it because they had had not much experience of it. And, and so he found it easy to open conversations and, and to hold conversations with people who were what he called pre-Christians without any experience, what we might call unchurched people here. But he also found a rather large second group of people whom he called post-Christians. And he found that those whom he ended up calling post-Christians, and, and he defined those as people who had had experience of Christianity, who had been church members, who had maybe grown up in a church, and now had decided to leave the church, that, that many of them were actually vehemently angry because somewhere in their history, the church had hurt them. Maybe it was... Uh, bungled counseling or, or, or off-base off assistance or 
many different issues that he brought up, but he, he found that many of the most hurt and the most angry and the, and the most people who were holding grudges were people who actually had experience of church and Christianity. You know, the interesting thing here is that as, as we've styled ourselves uh, in, in our vision to be a ministry for pre-Christians, in other words, we often use the phrase here that Crosswalk is a church for unchurched people, I've discovered over the 10-year history of Crosswalk that we've also tended to attract people who are post-Christians, who have been hurt before by churches. And I think a lot of that is because of what you just witnessed out here, is that there are a lot of people who just, and I'm, this is a compliment to you, that just naturally want to show love on people, whether pre-Christians or post-Christians, and reach out and help. And I think what we're going to see in, in this message to the church at Smyrna today is a lot of times it's not the fact that we claim to have the truth or even the fact that we claim to have a very exclusive truth, that there is only one path to salvation and his name is Jesus Christ. It's only through the cross and the empty tomb that a person is saved. That's a very exclusive message, but it's important to think about how we're going to convey that message which is exclusive. In other words, that we can choose to do it filled with hatred in return or with anger in return or, or with standing up and, and, and claiming that we know better and, and that we're right and everybody else is wrong or we can love people. And we can still be full of truth but at the same time full of grace as Jesus was, that we can, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, speak the truth in love. And and we're going to see how that plays out. But, But note this. Look at what it says going all the way back to Psalm 2. This is hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ has even even appeared. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. Hatred of Christ, hatred of Christianity, the unpopularity of our message and of us is nothing new. And it goes all the way back into the very first years of our faith, even before it was called the Christian faith, when it was still the people of Israel, there were many, many people who didn't like the message that the church had to proclaim. John the Apostle, writing in an epistle written about 100 years A.D., says this, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And yet I think it's, it's always still a little bit surprising, isn't it? When people hate us because of the things that we believe. Or maybe hate being a little bit too strong of a word, avoid us. Or when you're trying to talk to a friend and you get to that point where you, you've invested a lot in that emotional bank account and you feel like your friendship can bear talking about religion and you start to go down that path a little ways and all of a sudden you can just see the look on their face. And that they're not comfortable with this conversation going the way that you hope that it might go. 
If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you felt that feeling of nervousness about talking about your faith. Can I actually say to people what I really believe, what my true Christian worldview is, or should I just shut my mouth and go along and get along? I think almost every Christian has felt that at times. And so here's what I want you to write down, and this is the question that we're going to to answer today. Why are there so many haters of Christianity? You know, I think what makes this so tough is that we, as followers of Jesus Christ, who do we think of Jesus as? Isn't, isn't he, in our minds, the ultimate good guy? Isn't he the one that we think of as, wow, humanity doesn't get any better than Jesus Christ? And why is obvious, because he's not purely just human, he's also true God. And so... We, as his followers, we call ourselves Christ followers, also think of ourselves as what? If Jesus is the ultimate good guy and we're followers of Jesus, then what are we? We're good guys too. And good gals too. And so when all of a sudden somebody clearly is looking at us and going, no, you're not, you are not, you are the bad guys. It is surprising. And even though, even though John says, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you, it still is a little bit surprising to us. And so I think today's letter to the Christians in Smyrna is really important for us to read. Let's uh, look at Revelation 2.8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. Basically, what what Jesus tells John to convey to this church in Smyrna that's undergoing some real, deep, true persecution, property being confiscated, arrests being made, lives being threatened, if people would not worship the emperor as God. And... And, and he's saying to them, I'm here. And who am I? I am the God man. I am, first of all, true God. I am the first and the last, the eternal one. But I am also true man, the one who came and sacrificed himself, who bled on the cross, who died so that your sins could be forgiven, who died and then three days later, came to life again in this tremendous victory called Easter. That's who is with you. And people of Smyrna, I I see you and I know you. And I want to remind you of the, the grace that you have received because of my death and resurrection. I want to remind you of the forgiveness that you have. And in a moment, we'll talk even more about that because he says, yet you are rich. You know, there's a a number of books being written today. This is just one of them. I just got this published 2014. This was given to me as a gift two weeks ago. You know what the title of it is? Why nobody wants to be around Christians anymore. 
Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, just wrote a book called Vanishing Grace. And in there, he points out that in our culture, they they did a, a, a survey back in 1996. And they asked people who were not believers, not affiliated with any religious faith at all, whether or not they had a favorable view of Christians. And in 1996, 85% of Americans who had no religious affiliation, unchurched people said, yes, we have an extremely positive response to Christians. We, we think that Christianity does a lot of good in our world today. And then they went back 13 years later in 2009 and asked the same question. And the percentage had dropped to 16% of people who still viewed Christianity favorably. Can you see why books are written with this title? Why nobody wants to be around Christians anymore? Now granted, what we go through is nothing like what Smyrna is going through. But I think we can clearly see the direction that our culture and our society is going. And I think we need to be prepared for this. I think we need to know in our hearts and minds that we shouldn't be surprised if we're not popular anymore. If if our faith and our worldview more and more and more begins to slip and slide away from the mainstream of our American cultural view. And one of the beauties of this letter is to help us get ready for that day. As I said at the very outset of this message... We're not even close to where the people of Smyrna were. But we're going that direction. And we need to know how to respond. And it begins with this very point. Don't forget grace. One of the reasons that Yancey calls calls his book Vanishing Grace is the whole point of his book is, guys, think about the fact that your Jesus is the first and the last Your Jesus is the one who died and rose again, and he did that all because he wanted to give grace to you. He wanted to love you undeservedly. And when you respond to people who who don't understand you, who don't like you, who maybe even, maybe they're post-Christians, and maybe it's not even really about you, it's about something they experienced in the past, and you feel their anger, And their opposition, don't feel like you have to fight using the same weapons they use. Remember grace. And just as Jesus graced you when you opposed him, just as as the eternal one who died and rose for you forgave you, just, just as he loved you faithfully, those who oppose you, fail to understand you respond to them as Jesus responded to you when you were a sinner and you still are a sinner take a look at 1st John 4 4 and he's basically saying this when we're not understood when we're disliked because of our faith stand confident because the Jesus the gracious Jesus the forgiving Jesus The one who gives eternal life as a gift is greater than the Satan who wants to bring hatred to our world. You, dear children, are from God, from a gracious God. 
And you have overcome them because the one, Jesus, the gracious one who is in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. So write this down, would you? To overcome persecution, be confident. Remember who is with us and in us, Jesus. Connect with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember how when he was under great pressure and opposition directly from Satan, about to be arrested, about to be crucified, what did he think to himself? I and the Father are one. Let me go into the garden and connect with my Father. And this is what Jesus is telling to the people of Smyrna. When you find yourself under great pressure and persecution, remember who is in you and with you and reconnect with him through prayer. The next verse says this, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. That word slander is very important there because it tells us that there were a lot of verbal attacks before there were actual physical attacks. There there was a lot of of gossip going on about Christians. A lot of talk going on before any Christians were arrested, before any Christians had their property confiscated, before any of any of them were executed for their Christianity. It started with talk, with slander. And the interesting thing is, who were the ones talking and spewing their hatred? Have you ever noticed that sometimes the greatest hatred and opposition comes from people that outsiders would look and go, why, why do they hate each other? Aren't they virtually the same? I, I, you know, I've told you this before. I come, I come from hillbilly stock. And back in eastern Kentucky and West Virginia, we know all about the Martins and the McCoys. And an outsider looks at those two families and goes, they, they have everything in common. Why are they feuding for generations? The Tutsis and the Hutus in Rwanda murdering each other and yet tribes that live next to each other, trade with one another. Yugoslavia, Bosnians and Serbs at each other's throats with so much in common, and yet just one little twist of disagreement. Where is this coming from? The people that actually many of the Christians originated with in the synagogue. Fellow Jews. And those are the ones that are on the attack now. And I think we can still expect that in our world today. Christians and non-Christians today will go home this afternoon and all of us will put on our football jerseys, what, whatever team that, that we particularly like, right? And we'll all sit down in front of the television this afternoon and cheer on our team. And, the, and those of us who aren't doing that, we'll, we'll go out to the golf course or, or we'll do things together, Christians and non-Christians, that look exactly alike because we, we share a common history and a common culture. 
And yet, though we have so much in common, and, and while that makes us feel like we can talk to each other, this thing that we believe called the Christian worldview, the, the Christian faith, our relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's that twist at the end. And so John says, Jesus says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And I want you to notice a little phrase in there. I know your afflictions and your poverty. You are under persecution. You are being slandered. But underline these words, yet you are rich. Yet you are rich. What Jesus is really teaching the people of Smyrna is is important. Have you ever felt this when you feel the opposition of people? Like it kind of just discourages you and beats you down a little bit? Like, why can't we talk about this? And, And when you feel that hatred and that opposition, do you ever feel... Emotionally, maybe not physically actually, but emotionally, your, your shoulders slump a little bit. And it's like, oh man, I don't like not being liked. I don't like being viewed as the bad guy. I, 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 don't, I don't appreciate someone thinking that I, I'm backwards and, and weird and out of touch because... I hold faith in Christ. And yet I can tell that's exactly what they think of me. And, and, and this is what was happening in Smyrna, only much worse. And of course, what Jesus could see is it was causing the people of Smyrna to kind of just, ah, feel separated, shoulders slump, discouraged. And so he says, don't be discouraged, be confident. Because you are rich. For you know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that beautiful word grace again. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And we say this all the time here at Crosswalk. What are the riches that you have? You might not have a lot of money. You might not have the biggest house. You might be driving a car that's 20 years old and has more than 200,000 miles on it. Yet you are rich because in Christ you have a new identity. You are a dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Christ. You have a new destiny. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You have been given purpose in life to do the good works, Ephesians 2.10 says, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. You have all kinds of possibilities in life. You can't, you can't get beaten down because... Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Let's say that together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it again loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you have community. You have family. You have brothers and sisters who love you and care for you. Despite whatever the world may feel about you, 
you have this beautiful family in Christ. You are rich, and Christ is the one who made you rich by becoming poor on your behalf so that his riches could become yours. So be confident. Write this down. Jesus knows our pain and our poverty. He knows when we feel that that slumped shoulder feeling. But he also knows our great wealth, our new identity, destiny, purpose, possibility, and community that Christ gives us. So he says to us in Revelation 2.10, said to the people of Smyrna, don't be afraid. When When these things happen, when you start to see the decisions that are happening in our culture and society, do you ever feel that? Like, What's, where are we going? What's next? Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you and even persecutes you. Because you follow Christ. But what this verse promises, when it says you will suffer persecution for 10 days, as in much of Revelation, I believe that's a symbolic number. And I believe it's basically saying God has, a, has his eye on the amount of time. And it's as if he's saying 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And when that amount of time is over... Probably not 10 literal days of persecution, but when, when the time comes where God has set it for the persecution to end, it will end because God controls our entire universe. Turn the page over. And during that time, during those 10 days, you can be assured of this. The one who was born of God, Jesus, keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. At the end of the day, we have to realize where all persecution comes from. And, and it's, it's strange to us because sometimes persecution is going to come just from the world around us. We, we may feel that hatred just by reading the newspaper, by watching the news, by, by reading whatever internet news service that we read, and we may sense the opposition of the world. But I'll tell you something, Satan's not just going to use those people out there. And, and many of you know what I'm talking about because you've had these kind of painful conversations with children that you bore and raised in Christ. Who now look at you and say, how dumb are you to follow Jesus? With parents who maybe didn't raise you in Christ, but now you're a Christian and they look at you and they shake their heads. Like, where did, where did we go wrong with this child that he has become a superstitious Christ follower? with friends, with brothers, with sisters. And man, remember what I said. 
It's one thing to face and feel the opposition of the world, but when it's from someone that you dearly love and trust, whom you feel a lot of similarity with, and now there's, you know, you've got everything in common. You, you put on the same football jersey on Sunday afternoon. But here's this twist at the end. That person thinks you're a fool for being a Christ follower. Man, that hurts. That is where it really gets tough. And understand that whether it's from out here in the world, this opposition, or, or, or whether it's from someone very near and dear to your heart, where that's really coming from is the capital E enemy, Satan. And, and if you will sort of distance yourself a little bit and, and get back up on the balcony and see who is really provoking this opposition, Satan, makes it much, much easier not to respond with anger in return or with frustration in return or, or with hatred in return, but to simply realize the real enemy is Satan. And that's where the real opposition and persecution come from. Write this down. Be confident Our true enemy has his limits. The one born of God keeps you safe. And the evil one cannot harm you. Satan has his limits. And so, as you have these conversations with loved ones, with the person in the cubicle next to you, where you sense opposition, where you sense anger and hatred, Maybe it's a post-Christian who's been hurt by the church. Jesus' words to you, to all of us, to the people of Smyrna were, be faithful. Keep on going. Persevere in your relationship with Jesus. And make that way more important, that perseverance with Jesus, than the popularity of the world. Can I be honest with you? I'm going to say something a little hard right now. Many of you are people pleasers. As Christians, we've been taught, love your neighbor as yourself. And many of you want nothing more than the people around you, especially your loved ones, to be pleased with you, to like you, to want to be around you. And if you carry that too far, then it is going to be exceedingly difficult for you to be faithful to Jesus and to play to an audience of one. People pleasing is a huge trap, brothers and sisters, a huge trap. And we have, to, we have to want to love people, love our neighbor as ourselves, but understand the difference between loving our neighbor as ourselves and being full of truth at the same time, being gracious and forgiving, but not being people pleasers. Because when we're people pleasers, the enemy has us. He's got us on his barbed hook. And Jesus says to us, be faithful to me, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Look at what Peter wrote to people under persecution in his day. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves. Circle that word commit. Make a commitment. 
of yourself to your faithful creator because he is faithful. His love for you is faithful and continue to do good. What beautiful words those are. You know, sometimes we think piety equals passivity. And I, I, I want to demolish that lie right now. Being a pious person does not mean that you can't be active, even aggressive, with speaking the truth as long as you speak the truth in love. As long as you show the same grace that you've been shown by Christ, you can, in fact, you must aggressively, we all must aggressively be full of truth at the same time. So to overcome persecution, be faithful, Jesus teaches the people of Smyrna, teaches us. And to do that, connect yourself to a faithful God. We just sang a song. Jesus' heart is where the love lasts forever. His faithfulness. And now Jesus says to this church, you've got ears. Hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now we're winding this letter down and you may notice something interesting about Smyrna. Last week, when we were talking to the church in Ephesus, there was criticism. They, they were complimented for their, their hard work. But they were also critiqued for the fact that they had lost Jesus as the core of their church. Here in Smyrna, it's not like that. Jesus as, is at the very core of this church. They are doing things faithfully and well. And essentially, what Jesus is telling them through John is, keep on going, brothers and sisters. You're doing well. And don't let this persecution and this opposition get you down. Jesus is with you. You are wealthy. Satan's power is limited. And stay strong in the word. See what John writes at roughly the same time? I write to you, young men, and we could say young men and young women, old men and old women, because you are strong. And why are they strong? And the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. And so this leads us to this, to overcome persecution, tune in to the Spirit. I don't think there's any better way. We're, we're talking a lot about the hashtag church ministry that's starting up uh, next week. There's probably not much better way than to just come to church. Last night we, we had a baptism. And I want to play this very brief video. It's a selfie video that Matt Guile, who was baptized with his daughter last night, uh, shot in his own home. But listen to what he says about the importance of being in the family and being tuned into the word of God amongst each other. I was trying to, to kind of see down spirituality based on 
personal experiences and how it related to right and wrong and good or bad. And never really had something to fall back on. You know, through personal struggles uh, and you know, my own personal reflections, I've kind of lost faith at times. But I never lost hope, I never lost that that belief that there was something greater out there, that there was something intelligent and ultimately omnipotent, omniscient that, that kind of governed it all. And I always had that belief, I never lost that. Um, you know, I tried to strengthen my understanding of religion by reading as much as I could, but there was nothing in comparison to going you know, physically to church and Hearing that word firsthand and seeing the fellowship and seeing you know the people come together and enjoy each other and work. and crosswalk has you know, always been there uh, to listen to, to, to help you know personally Pastor John perspective. You can't say it better than that. If you want to know what your next step is, Matt said it beautifully. Come to church, enjoy the fellowship, experience the love of your Christian family. And be strong. And know that you have overcome the evil one, just like Matt just said. So to overcome persecution, tune in to the spirit. And then here's the final thought. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Where is all this going? We can talk all we want about this life and the trouble and the hardship and the opposition and the persecution of this life. Jesus says, don't forget where you're headed. Don't forget that destiny that Jesus has won for you at the cross and the empty tomb. You will not be harmed at all by eternal death, what he calls here the second death. And just as Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As you go through trouble here in this life, stay eternal in your thinking and be confident. Because even if the persecution here is painful, even if it ends in death, it cannot truly hurt you at all. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crowned. Here's the bottom line for today. Perseverance with Jesus trumps popularity with the world. To overcome Satan's persecution, we only need to remain confident in our Savior Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this encouragement. And Lord, we know sometimes as followers, we don't get it right. We, we are sinners too, in need of your forgiveness every day. And maybe sometimes the reason why people don't want to be around Christians anymore is us and how we act and the sins that we commit, the, the pride and the arrogance that we display. And so, Lord, we repent of that and we ask you to make us, as you call us, to be gentle and wise in the way we act toward those who aren't believers. And, Lord, we ask your Spirit's wisdom and strength.
to keep on speaking your truth, to keep on sharing the, the biblical worldview and the Christian faith that we share. Help us to push that out into the world and let others know about Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And help us, Lord, to do that with, with grace and mercy and patience. Lord, help us to display always the kind of love that Matt just talked about on that video. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Here's the, the little point I want you to go home with. Don't be surprised. Don't let it take you off guard when your Christian faith pushes you out of sync with the world around you. What Jesus is saying to the people of Smyrna is, that will happen. That's going to happen. And how we respond is so important. We can respond in anger. We, we can respond with pride and arrogance. Or we can respond with grace and patience and forgiveness. And the people of Smyrna were urged, speak the truth in love. And that will win the day. Even if it doesn't win every heart. Be faithful even to the point of death. Jesus promises, I will give you the crown of life. With that thought, let me send you out into, into your world. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.